0: completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate This podcast is titled Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. In each episode, I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable, but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way, let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership. At the end, I will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast. And with that, let's get started. Colleen Nagel is the founding CEO of Muse Platforms, which is celebrating its seventh years in business and creating inspiration and impact one moment at a time. In the interview, Colleen opens up and shares about her early fascination with technology and data and how she has continued to be an innovator. She also spoke about her health challenges and what has that taught her as a leader. We spoke about the importance of having hope, facing our own fears, and the importance of holding oneself accountable. Hi, Colleen. Welcome to the Choosing Leadership Podcast. Thank you, Smee. Great to be here today. Good to see you. Wonderful. It's so wonderful to have you as well with us. And for our listeners, can you begin with sharing a little bit of who you are and what do you do today?
1: Fantastic. Well, thanks for that. Thank you for the opportunity to be here with your Listeners today, my name is Colleen. I'm currently the founding tech CEO of Muse Platforms. We're an organization that historically over the last seven years have offered remote technology integrations as an integrations expert, primarily in the areas of large martech platforms. Marketing technology has been our specialty. We've got a hyper focus on The impact that we can create with data, primarily data-driven optimization and growth for organizations. And recently, we've embarked upon an opportunity to collaborate with our partners, particularly two of them, actually, just to bring you up to date. Flow, Wise, and Roomful, these are Web3 technology partners, and we've created our first product for which is a big moment for us here seven years in that we've been doing these consultancies and now we've just released Hercules, which is our tv and metaverse management product mm. here to enable folks in the broadcasting industry to enter the new era of web 3 and great. be able to broadcast simulcasts on television and also in the metaverse along with of course our usual culprits, the social channels and the digital. So it's clearly the new age of Omni channel. That's who I am today in technology. Just to give you a little bit more background, I come from a lineage, a family of technology and engineers. Both my grandfather at GE was an engineer and auditor. My father was an engineer and then eventually a leading salesperson at IBM during uh-huh. the 60s, 70s, et cetera, for about 27 years. Growing up in that environment of technology, I was magnetized to it from a very young age, which gives me, I think, a lot of both privilege and opportunity that I'm super grateful for today. I ended up following in, in my family's sort of footsteps. And by the time I was college ready, I was already a master in most programming languages, and a system administrator for my high school back in the eighties, doing volunteer boards by night, trying to hack into the Pentagon by early morning. One of those hacking gals on the scene back in the mid eighties, and learned a lot about mutations and words that you know mean a lot more to us today, to so me, than do in the yesteryear, such as asynchronous communication. Both a big IBM book about gay, thick, all about the intricacies of asynchronous communications. I just thought it was the most fascinating thing in the world as a youngster. Well, that propelled me into the opportunity to work with leaders in the college years. I worked with the economist Barry Bluestone, managing his SX statistical analysis as an initial data science person back in the late eighties. I did a lot of statistical analysis on women in the economy. And I was learning a lot in those um, young days about basically the economic models. And we formulated one at my work study job a Social Welfare Research Institute, where they were modeling back then the U.S. economy to be able to see how different bills would impact we ever forecast how different bills would actually impact our society economically. And I was working on different demographics and so forth. Looking back, it was real education. While I was getting my degree in political science, because I wanted to learn more about writing and other kinds of skills that I felt like I was going to need in the workforce, besides mm. just being technical. Yeah. I then had my first job with the New Liberation News Service. A service out of MIT won by president of the organization was Noam Chomsky. Again, somebody who's extraordinarily inspiring to me in my younger days and certainly still is today. Working for his organization as an editor of the news service, which was the first news service to deploy internet technology in the early 90s. We have deployed things like talk over Unix and using Solaris systems to be able to communicate across the world, including taking stories out of Iraq for the first US war with Iraq back then and very on the ground stories from military and also civilians in the space from Iraq and getting the real truth out. And this was one of the more pioneering opportunities in broadcast media to be able to tell stories, I think I learned a tremendous amount about the impact technology could make in that job. I got so super inspired by the internet, particularly in these experiences that I actually, years later, basically moved to California. The California dream moment happened for me, and I said to myself, this is all going to be down in San Francisco, so I took myself out there, landed a job with Pacific Bell, which is the big bell at the time that was emerging the internet that was in the United States. I landed on that startup team and it was part of the first moment of offering actual internet services to the public. That was a very formidable milestone type job to the point where I did that for about a year and I said to myself, really, I want to be more on my own and so, touch base with myself then, and I realized this is maybe even a bigger opportunity for me to be independent. And I also experienced in parallel a lot of health problems. My early 20s to my mid 20s was very difficult time for me and i ended up on a disability for a while there while i was going to these sort of changes and so forth i recognized an independent lifestyle would probably be more inclined to be successful in me actually getting back to the workforce and so i had spotty in between that that job with noam chomsky's organization New Liberation News Service. And this was like a gap of I was working part-time. I was trying to, I really was struggling with my house on disability. And then I gave it this shot and then went out to California and definitely had a few failures and was learning along the way. When I started to embark on my own career, running my own consulting company, I was able to formulate that balance enough mm-hmm. to, to get back in. And then that was a big, a big win for me that resumed my career full-time. It was a Yeah. And...
0: Yeah. As you spoke about technology, right? And then doing something very different after that, and also those health problems. What were some of those skills that you learned in the later part that proves to be very useful now as a leader, as an entrepreneur?
1: That's such a great question. I think one of the things that I learned was, first of all, having hope. I think hope drives, whether it's You hope that you can achieve this goal and this goal happens to be taking out the trash repeatedly on the right day at the right time. Something as simple as that all the way to I'm going to overcome this illness. I'm going to work with my doctors and my health team, but I'm also going to work with my employers and my clients in order to overcome the obstacles that I I may find that are unique to me and I need space in order to overcome them. Whether it's the smallest thing in the world or the, sort of the biggest objective, I think learning to have hope and being in that mindset of I can do this, I see that this, this can be overcome is a really big part of it. And I think one of the other things is just the actual exercise or repeated doing something difficult and being able to achieve it, like setting those milestones and actually living up to those agreements was something else that I learned as traits. Just, it's more about having the hope, having the optimism, having the discipline around overcoming difficulties. And I think when, after five or six years, or when I was able to actually get back to work, and then I was able to, by about three or four years into there, just really be confident about being back. But it was a transition, those three or four years of, can it, will it continue? Can it happen? And then racing through that fear with hope, which can be so dispelling of those fears. And learning how to do that, that skill is when I'm in business now and we all are trying to tackle something like operating in a pandemic, right? Uh, how do we actually shift and pivot? Making huge pivots and knowing that as we go towards that goal, things would maybe rough and hard, but sure, I've been there so many times before my own situations that I'm able to apply that same logic, that same tenacity, that same passion of actually overcoming obstacles. And I've learned how to do that. And I'm so grateful, certainly not for being going through difficulties with health, but I'm certainly super grateful for that silver lining of what it taught me in terms of going for goals that may seem astronomically difficult, not possible, and then actually achieving them. Do that a few times. It's life-changing. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. I love that. I think both what you said about hope, and especially if you are a leader, if you have other people around you, it gives other people hope as well. It calms their nerves. Otherwise, if you are anxious, it freaks everybody out. And the second thing I think which, uh, which you mentioned in passing, which is very important, is keeping your agreements with yourself. The smallest of stuff I will do every week, I will do this every day, but it has a huge impact on how you see yourself, your confidence, your self-esteem, and making sure that you have, first of all, you have those agreements or structures in place. And then being, being strict with that or being observant yeah. of that.
1: Hold yourself accountable, right? That's like yeah. holding yourself accountable is so much a half the battle because if you continually hold yourself accountable and end up experiencing success, you're going to associate success with holding yourself accountable. So then it comes the difficult one. Maybe success can be to you in your early careers. And then next step, you actually have something that looks pretty challenging. Yes. Holding yourself accountable, if you did that for all your other agreements, you're probably gonna take that strategy with this new, really challenging agreement too. And the more you do it, it's, you add that momentum and then you just, oh, that's all you wanna do is do that because that works. And it's almost, yes, you need it for confidence. Yes, you need it to be able to strive forward. But also when suddenly confidence becomes something that's contributing, there's no not wanting to be confident ever even in the picture and in your mindset. And that's part of hope. It starts with hope. You certainly can't do everything just based on hope. But I think if you look at what your lives, I would even encourage your listeners to just take stock of maybe two or three times that hope really played a major factor and then really look at it and just feel like, hey, maybe this mindset is there's something to it here and it's worth for themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also sensing a sense of grounding, a very solid grounding that even despite whatever life throws at me, I will be okay. And not to rely on success. And sometimes my tasting success too early can cause you to believe that success is the reason for my well-being or my happiness.
1: Yes. hundred percent. I'm with you. I would never look back at my twenties as successful. I look back now and I'm like, Oh, my God. But at the time, I was like, oh, God, I can't do anything. And at the same time, the opportunities before me were so pivotal in in the world. And yet, I couldn't even see that. I was either too young, too sick, too, too this, too that, too much. Too many excuses. I didn't see that, even though someone else might say, oh, that's a very successful story. I actually was in the mindset of being a failure. In that failure mindset, I was consistently learning. I'm like, I can do better. I can be better. I can push myself to better than this. I could be more consistent. I can achieve the goals of my original dreams, which had to do with where I am more today than where I was back then. Combating illness, trying to make very incremental progress towards a goal, having my ups and downs of hoping, and yet still being able to go out there and focus on achieving the overall goal. It was coming not necessarily from this place of confidence, but it was doing confidence, building things along the way that I think with that momentum eventually added up to something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sometimes we can't see that because we all are very tunnel visions with what we're doing. Like it's the most important thing right now. Maybe in the bigger picture, it's so much not. Maybe it's just a, another step
0: along yeah.
1: the way, and it's hard to see that, but I think like you say, with the combination of keeping your agreements and having a hope for tomorrow and hope for your team, because suddenly it's like you're, if you keep your agreement, that's one thing, but if everybody keeps their agreements now, that's a that good story.
0: Yes. That's very powerful as a team. So. Now, if I come back to this present moment and with all this woman momentum that you mentioned and all of these learnings of ups and downs, where is that taking you? What's next for you?
1: I think what's next for me right now is exploring product ties as a company. And as a, personally, as a practitioner, I've done a tremendous amount of years on the consulting side and now as a person that's overseeing product development, this is a new departure for me done a little bit of work, certainly worked for other folks in products like I did, did in Adobe as an architect and worked for other consulting agencies that had products and so forth. So I'm certainly not new to it, but actually combining partners together, working with my team and theirs to develop products that avoid you. to help industry level issues be resolved mm-hmm. as people emerge into a new type of technology, it's invigorating. It's a new sort of angle on the technology work that I've been doing. And it requires even more agreements and more trust. I think. yeah, Not just in myself, but in the folks that I work with. So we work on that a lot.
0: Yeah, and it also requires a very different kind of uh, organization and skills as well. Uh, It's a different business. Yeah,
1: it's a different business. So we're in the process of transitioning, so it's a pivot for us in terms of suddenly our services are supported by the product, so the services support the product, and and not just this sort of global need from specific clients coming in the door. Certainly that impacts and it's always has to work sometimes to or a roadmap product features to be incorporated for understanding a new client's needs and and goal. Yeah. But yeah. I think that the shift of product first instead of being service first it's definitely the biggest thing happening in my career right now mm-hmm.
0: yeah and if as you do so what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that you face or your team face as you develop this new products new business hire new people build yeah. a company build an organization in direct the next three to five years what do you think are some of the biggest challenges along the way that you will have to go through
1: well i think watching the entire work world catch up to us in terms of we've been remote for seven years Mm -hmm. to be honest I was advocating and I had a remote job back in the 90s like I I went to Concept Bell back in 97 and told him I was gonna be remote because why didn't I have to come to the office and got a little bit of a combination on that so my early days and my many years of virtual work and now the 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 world is, since the pandemic, really recognizing that for a myriad of reasons, that's one of the de facto standards going into place in the many organizations. That there's a lot of the remote workers. So I think the challenge is a lot of people are needed with it. Mm. And as a result, you know, have mixed experiences with folks as we go. And we need to trade our expectations accordingly. I see being able to work well in the virtual world from home or from a space of your desire. I think it's an affordable offer in most of the cases, but I don't want to under underestimate the kind of transition and pivot that society is going in as a result, because I think it is something that we all need to acknowledge is happening in the room. It's like the pink element. Yeah, we're all, like you and I here, we're not sitting together. We're sitting across the world from each other, but we are, which is phenomenal, but also what are the challenges? Everything comes is a challenge. And as a result of that, I think as a team builder, we need to recognize that there's gonna be unique needs by the team because of that. Do they need directly from us that they can't get virtually? And then we need to ask ourselves different questions as leaders. What does our team need? Do they need that? face-to-face help every once in a while? Do we need to all get together anyways? Just for the fact that we're humans and we like to, and do we be occasions to do that or no. So there's a lot of questions for me. Now that the world is operating also virtually alongside this company to be able to take it into the next stage. And I'm excited about it, but I'm not also illusion that there won't be a lot of challenge.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. And I think in my work with a lot of leaders, I often encourage them to be okay with having a lot of questions and not knowing the definite answer. And that's a very powerful skill to be curious because that allows you to be flexible rather than rigid. And I can see that for you, but I'm also imagining that you have that background or you have those experiences, which were really not easy, which yeah. prepared yeah. you. For that, but as you work with others, as you work with your team, not everybody reacts to a state of curiosity. People want to be in control. How do you help others navigate like this unknown? Right, because the world we are living in is so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And it, as a leader, but even as a as an employee, we have to learn to adapt to the unknown. How do you create that in others?
1: Create better, better active listening is number one in the equation. Where really. Hearing people and having empathy for people and being able to go beyond just a regular using one's audio and hearing, I think, in a way is just as important as visual, if I might bring it down that way. And the listening and then taking action and then moving to a point where there's actually an action taken. And it doesn't just become, I think that's one of the dynamics of this virtual world, which is we used to like, oh, we're in the office of Stowin' Acts or something, and yeah, I'm going to just hand it over to you. Well, the handoffs are actually through communication devices. So, how do we interrelate better so that we can shake hands? And then we're going to sign that six figure contract, even though you and I have never run out and met each other and shook each other's hands and looked each other in the eyes. What's the comparable piece of that in video? What, asking ourselves the hard questions and then someone's deploying a system for me. It could be 5,000 miles away. What's that trust fund going to look know. like? Those are, to me, the most important. And I see building those trust funds, it's about better communication, different communication listening actively to people having, and then again, answering the call, like you get the call, you gotta answer the call, you gotta do the action. You gotta bring your action-packed tool set with you so that it's not just a conversation it becomes something followed with the next action that then is then followed up. And that's how you build that confidence. So, yeah, So yeah, that's where I'm at with all of that.
0: Yeah, thank you. I think communication is a simple word, but I think both of us have that background in technology. And when we talk about technology, it's all about protocols. It's all about that handshake, digital handshake. But uh, you spoke about listening. You spoke about really connecting with somebody. Uh, when it comes to human beings, communication is very different. And especially now, as you said, since that physical barrier has been broken, we don't know what are the new protocols or guidelines or like the new procedures we need to integrate to maybe uh, to borrow some of those practices from the computer world to enable trust, enable listening. Not only do we get clear agreements, but we get good relationships.
1: Yeah. We've all gone to two-way authentication in our communication to be able to reach a gateway with another organization, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What's the two-way communication between, say, you and me, right? Like, We need that two-way though authentication mechanism for some of our agreements, right? Hey, I agree to do this. You agree. Hey, that you agree to do this. We agree to deliver that. How do we do that virtually better? I think the biggest challenge ahead is human virtual agreements, not necessarily the protocols, the Web three, the Web five, the. Those things will evolve and we'll have revolutionary breakthroughs that I hope to be a part of A next achieving one at some point in the Web 3. I was able to, in Web 2, innovate on video to the point of having a congressional nomination and a congressional commendation. That, that was a, an inspiring moment for me. I'm hoping for something something like that too, but now, in or to get there, that's a the goal. I mean, it's just like how, the, those little intricacies in terms of yeah. confidence, it's going to be essential.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think we have enough time for that. But just from my experience, one thing which you notice is there is a element of emotions which doesn't play a role in technology or computers, but plays a huge role in when human beings talk, right? So, and that becomes a key leadership skill to not just listen to what is being said, but also listen to what is not being said because that is going to determine whether then somebody says yes or no, whether somebody trusts you or not, so there's a huge missing layer, and also invisible layer which we don't see.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, the, that not a lot of people, I think that there's a good sort of conversation happening. Who's putting down the standards? Is there a standards body around this stuff? This is going to be yeah. as impactful with the W3C standards for I don't know feed TV technology standards that are going to impact. The products would be wealthy. Well, yeah. It's some of these things. I think leadership isn't something with a small L. It's Mm -hmm. something with a capital L. And we each need to figure out what that capital L looks like for each of us. Yeah. Stepping forward because leadership is also not something that comes with a title. I'm a firm believer that... As a leader of my organization, I pick up the trash every day as janitors just as much as I make perhaps a very critical decision about a product or perhaps a client. All of that is what's important. And that's part of leadership. I've had leaders that are interns and now are actually gone out and are doing incredible things in the world since then. But they were leaders when they were here too. And it wasn't just happenstance. That's a trait that I think would be whole, all of us to think about growing as part of our careers in technology.
0: Thank you. That's a, that looks like a wonderful place to, to end our conversation as well. And I want to wish you all the best for everything that lies ahead for you. And if anybody who is listening and who wants to reach out to know more about your thinking, your work, or just about your story, what is the best way that they can do so?
1: We have a new website up, and I will use this shameless promotion moment to share with everyone uh, please check, check out Uh It's an exploratory new product uh, on the industry uh, to help the broadcast industry and others that are looking to manage their content in metaverses as well as television, the opportunity to embark on that journey with us. And I would say also I'm available at newsplatforms.com where Ben bent for seven years. And you can reach out to me, C. Nagel, at Museplatforms.com. Thank you so much, Sami. This is great to to speak with you and be on your show. We'll have to do this again sometime.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yes, and thank you for being on the show and sharing everything. And I will make sure that I include the names of the websites with the show notes. Thank you. Thank you, Colleen.
1: Thank you so much. Take care.
0: Yeah. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction. Not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come, and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality and I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.